but I did a lot of touring on my own, which was really special for me because there I am out there playing, going on stage and playing a kick drum. I'm doing a harmonica. I'm doing all this. I'm, I'm cursing. I'm like writing weird, embarrassing lyrics. And <laughs> Hey, welcome to Growing Up Punk. My name is David. I hope you're uh, having a good summer or whatever time of year, I suppose, this episode may find you. That's how podcasts work, right? You can listen to this whenever you want, wherever you want. Anyway, this episode, uh, Aaron is going to be chatting with uh, a good friend of his, a former bandmate of his, uh, that being Matt Good, who is now more, uh, I guess you could say, more well-known as Northcote. Uh, he's been a singer-songwriter for quite a few years now, and uh, they talk about his favorite North Coast songs. Of course, when I say uh, former band member, that's back when they were in a little band called Means, doing heavy, uh, music that's a little heavier, I guess you could say, than uh, not a little, a lot heavier than what Matt is doing these days with North Coast. But my own personal experience with North Coast, uh, such a fantastic band, such a fantastic songwriter, and great voice that Matt has, and just kind of one of those. You know, guys where, as a Canadian, you kind of hang on and go, man, he's one of ours. <laughs> and maybe that's not something that, uh, you know, you, depending on where you're listening to this show from, maybe that's not something that you necessarily uh, experience or can um, relate to. But in Canada, we have artists who I think a lot of times we like to kind of go, yeah, that guy or that person, they're Canadian and we're hanging on to them. They're one of ours. And Matt is just one of those great songwriters really capturing uh, and telling great stories in his lyricism. But yeah, Aaron got the chance to sit down and chat with him. Uh, if you're tuning into the show, you know, more typically, obviously, we're we're listening to more, you know, punk-infused music, harder music, faster music, and Matt doesn't make that. <laughs> so it's a little different, but his roots are in the punk and hardcore scene, so we thought, why not? Why not bring him on the show and just talk about uh, some of his great music? So we're going to get into that in just a few moments. Aaron chatting with Matt of Northcote. But first, uh, I should tell you, go follow us on social media at Growing Punk Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're hanging out there. And, you know, wherever you're listening to the show, uh, rate it and review it. Share it with your friends. Let your friends know what you think. Of, let, let us know what you think of the show via the uh, the old review system especially on apple Podcasts, help the show kind of grow a little bit that way and uh yeah tell your friends about the show share it um and you'll find i should say you'll find our our personal instagrams and twitters by heading to our at growing punk pod uh instagrams and twitter how many times can i say instagram and twitter in one little thing anyway let's let's move on let's not waste any more time uh you're gonna hear matt and aaron chatting about matt's five favorite north coat songs
Yeah, so Matt, I want to first start by saying how proud I am of you of hitting your pinnacle of your music career, of being on this podcast. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a long time. Well, yeah, kind of a long time in coming. We've, we've talked about it kind of here and there, and and I'm really, I'm really excited about this, about this format, specifically talking about songs. You know, you've been a songwriter for a long time, and uh, so it's... Yeah, just cool to kind of dive into to that part of your creativity. And so uh, so I usually start by, you know, like trying to find like a fact about the artist or band that I don't know. Uh, but it was a little tricky uh, for you just because I've known you for so long. And I was even going through your Wikipedia and seeing if there was anything, you know, anything that like TMZ had posted that maybe I didn't catch up on about, <laughs> you know, some scam you were a part of a few years ago selling calling cards or something. But couldn't find anything like that so <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah so one of i uh, want to start by you know you've been writing songs you know even before i met you which was you know when you were maybe six or 17 or something like that 16 17 mm-hmm. and uh i i should probably know this but i don't you know exactly remember even asking you this but kind of how did you start you know becoming interested in songwriting you know from a solo perspective you know versus a full band in mind you know when i met you you were playing in a band which i then joined later but i know that you had been writing songs already and so i'm just kind of interested to hear you know what that influence was because yeah like i said i don't really remember talking about this years ago well do you remember you and i making together tapes on a cassette <laughs> tape machine you and i would make blooper tapes funny songs uh, comedy sketches and comedy bits and oh yeah, that's that's really the type of machine that I used when I was probably twelve or thirteen. When I started writing songs. My dad had an alarm clock with a cassette tape in it with a mic, and I would go into his office and steal cassette tapes, and they were of my grandfather's sermons. And you know, they were like kind of special tapes, like old old choir tapes and sermons. And I would take them and record songs over them and listen <laughs> and listen over and over again. Yeah, uh, I had songs about. You know, like I fell in love in a chat room and went out, you know, when I was 13 and had a song about that person and uh, so record recording, recording helped me get into songwriting because okay. I, I could I could hear it back. Yeah. You know, and so I play a little bit, hear it back. And, you know, it's very much what I still do now. Just sing it and redo it over and over again. Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, so since Means Ended, like, I've been doing lots of kind of recording on, on my own, too, as well as playing guitar, which I, I didn't play in the band. But, yeah, that's, it's that weird thing. It's like hearing something you, you just made, and it's like, oh, that sounds cool. It's like, I know that sounds cool. That's why I wanted to record it. But it just kind of keeps going, and you keep layering it. And so that's, yeah, that, that's a, a cool kind of corresponding um, idea with that. Yeah, that's funny. I was just talking with, with Kelly this week about... I, I think I might even still have one or two of those tapes in a box of us just like, did, didn't we do one of just like throwing uh, CD cases at like a metal bunk bed or something and just losing yeah. it laughing? And <laughs> Yeah, well, one of my, one comes to mind for me is like traffic reports, weather reports, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the traffic, what the traffic's like. And, you know, the town where we met is just, has just a couple streets. Like there wasn't any traffic. Yeah, but we had these call-in shows where it was really super heavy traffic, yeah. <laughs> and traffic was steady, and we gave the reports. Uh, yeah, with, with songs, 
um, in that way, it's kind of like almost talking to your, talking to myself. Yeah. Saying, and then I hear it back and then I have a response. So then I come in and change the bridge or change this part or change the key. And, and in that sense, I don't know why I was interested in that, but it, but it started when I was 13, probably. Yeah. And like, so, I mean, kind of around the same time you were getting into punk music, you know, how did, what's the kind of correlation between those two or, you know, was writing, you know, non-punk stuff, you know, filling a gap that, that was there or just exploring different avenues? Um, like for someone like myself, like I just, I never had those same desires. It's like, I just wanted to play punk music. You know, and so I'm kind of curious as to kind of what brought that inspiration on and what made you think like, oh, maybe I can write something different than this other style of music that's really influential to me. Uh, well, certainly I was uh, obsessed and in, in the world of heavy music. And it's still like my 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 ear and my heart is kind of drawn towards it still mm. as, um, as an expression at, but in my early twenties, I think I wanted to see, um, uh, I think I wanted to see other type of artists and kind of just see what was out there. It was like an exploring thing for me. Yeah. And you know, when I started writing songs as a kid, it was, it wasn't, only uh riffs and metal it was more nirvana um and you know gospel music church music music at the church yeah uh and so i had yeah you know what i'm not sure why that was in me i think those those are just the those are the two worlds of expressions i've tried so far songwriting and um more heavy music well, and some comedy, so that's that's three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the next progression is exploring some comedy in music again. That's a good idea. I had I I have thought of that before. Well, I, I tried it with a, a barbecue YouTube channel, and it didn't go over so well. So maybe it's uh, <laughs> sometimes adding comedy into things that uh, people don't want it to be in uh, is more of a turnoff. So, <laughs> uh, so will you continue your barbecue show? Well, I, I haven't done that for a few years. I did that um, when I was on a break from work a few years ago. I had taken a, a sabbatical, and so I did some YouTube videos, and I kind of had, like, heavy music playing in the background and, you know, just being sarcastic and funny exclamations and stuff. And, I mean, it just wasn't for everyone. I, I don't know. S some of the videos have some views on it, but it was just one of those things that – it's like, hey, nobody else is doing this, so let's just uh, give it a shot and see what happens. So I, my friend and our roommate has a podcast about his Subaru car, or his <laughs> uh, a web a web uh, web cast. Oh, okay. And it, it's pretty fantastic uh, Canadiana comedy. Well, like he just drives around in his car and talks, or does videos, or what? Well, he sprays WD forty in the cracks and stuff like that, and gives you good hacks and tips about the Subaru car. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of uh, ways to be creative out there. So I never thought of filling cracks in a Subaru car to be one of them, but. 
I think Aaron with the songwriting, I just am curious how durable of an artist I could be. Yeah. You know, you know, even with Northcote, I've had different sounds and styles and eras and even means had different. We were heavier for a while, faster, more, more mathy, more straight ahead. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm more country now, but sometimes I'm more angular and kind of, uh, you know, there's a bit more anger. It's not like a, it's not like a country song. It's something different. So yeah, I've, I've, that's just part of it for me is, um, how bendy can I be? Hmm. How do you find the balance of, of creating different types of music? Do you find you go into songwriting, you know, one way if you're hoping for a certain out- outcome versus another, or is it just, let's kind of see what happens, just start playing and like kind of more natural like that? Or do you usually have an idea in mind like, okay, this song's going to be, you know, whatever, you know, direction you're going. For me these days, it's very much a feeling and seeing what happens. Hmm. Uh, you know, I might have an idea or a, a, a word might spark a melody in my head and then the chords we'll see, or uh, there is a, there is a one song or, or two from this list where I wrote the words first Oh, and cool. it, you know, um, but for me, that doesn't uh, happen very often. It's kind of like in the moment, um, I'll have a rising of feeling and I'm, and uh, I'm like, Oh, I kind of, my, uh, I felt something. My heart is open. This, I better keep this and work on this. This, this is a, important to me. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, when I had a, a guy named Steve Kravak on. So he produced like MXPX life in general, slowly going the way the Buffalo and, lots of those punk albums. He's also a solo artist as well. And he was saying that he always writes the lyrics first because if he has nothing to say, then he's not going to write a song. And I just thought that was really neat. You know, it's kind of different from the world we came from. I feel like, I mean, lots of the bands we were into, you know, like Good Riddance and, you know, Propagandy, like bands like that for sure. It's like, you know, they definitely have a message they want to get across. Not that the other bands we listened to didn't. Um, or maybe just, you know, it just seems like a natural way to create a song is to start with the music. But I just thought that was a really neat way of looking at songwriting is if I don't have anything to stay, say, then why would I create music to go to nothing kind of thing? So that's yeah, just a, a different way to, to be creative and sometimes do things the opposite. Yeah, and sometimes you might have a riff that you might save and you might not have words, or sometimes someone might be, walk, you know, might be walking around town and have an idea but you don't have your guitar on you. So you save it on your phone or write it down and journal it or whatever. So it is funny that I, I was surprised to hear you say you were, we were music first always, but I, I, th- I think we were music first always. Well, and, and maybe, maybe just in my mind, because as a drummer, right, I'm not necessarily, and we'll get into this a bit more um, because I feel like I didn't pay attention nearly as much you know back then to that which again you know being a drummer i'm not thinking about the lyrics it's just like oh whoever's writing the lyrics is going to do it and you know they'll come as they come and that'll be a part of the song you know but kind of years later and talking with more musicians and lyricists it's you kind of see the different ways that those play off of each other and and how lyrics are you know just as important as the music and so just yeah again because that's not really my world writing lyrics i'm not gifted at it i can't even do it if i try 
And so I just kind of forget about that whole part of creativity sometimes. When, when you were talking there, I was thinking of like the, the singer and the words is like another instrument, you know, like if someone's screaming, we would often like take the cue from the singer, like, boom, this is going to be a big part. Yeah. This is a soft part or boom. And then, but if, if I get too caught up in my head in my own lyric writing, I might forget to let that natural instrument of just singing go. Yeah. So, you know, it's all a little bit of each. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm not trying to discount singers. Obviously I, I get that that's a major, a major part of it, but just, I guess that's not what I'm creative with. And so it just doesn't come as naturally, but um, yeah, maybe we, maybe we talked about this over the years kind of since means broke up, but was there ever a time you know, when we were still going full time, where you kind of knew or perceived that you wanted to, you know, be pursuing a different style of music, um, creatively more than the music we were playing. Like, you know, did you ever think, okay, I could be happy being done with this style of music and scene and move on to something else? And I know it's kind of a weird question to kind of ask, but um, you know, and means finished fairly abruptly. But you know, I know at that point, you know, you had already started. Um, kind of, you know, maybe distancing yourself a bit from that music scene and uh, maybe some of the bureaucracies that kind of came with what we were doing. Um, yeah, so I just I'm, was curious as to, you know, and, and by that time you had already released a number of albums already, you know, under Emerson Letters and different solo EPs and stuff. So, you know, during those last times were like, what was your thoughts with that? You know, I, I don't know if that's something that we've ever kind of really talked about. Uh, well, I was very proud of what we were making together and where and how, um, on the edge of the culture of the Christian hardcore culture we were and how innovative we were. And, uh, at the same time, there were aspects of playing in the Christian hardcore scene that I had had enough of. Yeah. I think I remember um, at one festival with uh, in California, just some of the things that the singers were saying, the impression that I felt was, I think I'm done with this scene. Mm. You know, uh, I think that I've, it's not meant for me to be on stage with, with these speakers. Uh, but you know, you and I, and, and, um, we had, a we were, we had good discernment of putting ourselves into our music. Uh, and then I think the thought of replacing members of the band, um, it felt like it was too much work for me. Yeah. And I, I really loved what, you know, our connection and I, I couldn't imagine others in in the group. Yeah. I mean, I tried, I tried to, I thought of other, other people to, to come in and keep going. Um, and, uh, did I, I, did I have in the back of my mind, I had in the back of my mind to, um, to play more mainstream places at that time. I mean, yeah. at that time I wanted to go and hang on the bars and be more free personally. Right. You know, which has kind of come full circle. Now I'm no longer really like that, but, at that time, I wanted to go out and um, be where the others were out of the hardcore music a little yeah. bit, you know? 
Yeah, well, there's a, yeah, a few things to pull out of that. And yeah, so one idea that's, you know, come up on either this podcast or lots of others, you know, especially within, you know, kind of a Christian scene is that, you know, and for guys like us, like we were from such small towns, like, you know, we knew so little, we were so naive in lots of ways. You know, I often look back on things and it's like, oh man, how do we even, you know, how are we still alive kind of thing? You know, we were just make, making our way in this big world and, and uh, yeah, I guess you, you get to a point where, you know, either you're kind of content to just do the same thing or you want to move on and, and do something else. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess another word of phrasing the question is, you know, when means finished, was your thought like, okay, good, now I can kind of, or not, you know, not, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but just like, okay, now I can kind of, you know, pursue this other venture that I've been wanting to do without feeling like, you know, I'm stealing time for means or, you know, having to go back and forth, but now you can kind of just maybe break free, start over kind of thing and, and just do what you wanted to do at that point. Um, maybe in my youthful confidence, I wanted to, I was also grieving the, the band yeah. at that time, you know, like the, because we had played every day together yeah. for, for, I don't know, eight, eight years or there were times when we played every day and everyone worked at restaurants and stuff. Yep. And, and so the change of it lasted a, at least a few, a couple of years of getting used to missing, missing you, missing you guys, missing that, missing my other, missing my other parts. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I had all this youthful energy, like I wanted to go out and meet people and see the world. And so at the time I had all these confusing feelings, you know, and that's, that was really, that was a really good time for me too. You know, I met my wife and I got out in North Dakota. I did a lot of touring on my own, yeah, which was really special for me because there I am out there playing, going on stage and playing a kick drum. I'm doing a harmonica. I'm doing all this. I'm, I'm cursing. I'm like, writing weird embarrassing lyrics and <laughs> <laughs> you know like it was uh uh even when i look back on that guy i feel like i i have a bit of sympathy for for how the the turmoil but at the same time it takes a lot of courage at that time when we're going when we're yeah. going through changes so young yeah, well, yeah, you know, I always <clears throat> thought really highly of you during that, well, not that I don't anymore, but just, you know, well, one, I was really excited that you were still pursuing music because there was a part of me, and uh, maybe, I mean, I'm not trying to make this whole episode about means kind of stuff, and, um, you know, I, yeah, I was grieving the same thing, right? The band ended before I wanted it to, and I definitely missed that whole world and still do at times, but it was so good seeing you still using you know, your voice and your creativity and songwriting as you still are. And so it's, for me, it's like there's still a piece of, of means kind of out there because, you know, you're that's still a part of who you were and you're still traveling around and making connections. And so that, uh, yeah, even though I know that's not, you know, who you are necessarily or what you're trying to do, but it's just kind of keeping that legacy going in, in, a, in a sort of ways. Um I so I I don't really remember like so you had said that comment about you know being at that festival and just some of those thoughts you were having I don't really remember like us having like conversations about that at the time you know was that something that maybe 
like you were scared to bring up with the band or, you know, I think we could kind of sense things and, you know, I don't think you were the only one that was getting frustrated with some of the, you know, the things in that scene or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, maybe it's easier to talk about now looking back because we're out of it and, you know, we've all moved on, but, you know, was there a part of you that was like, okay, you know, if means is going to keep going, it can't really keep going in the same way, but you know, are the other guys going to feel the same or how do we kind of go about this? Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Well, from what I can remember, we didn't often talk much about like spiritual issues or philosophy or politics. We really supported one another. And like you said, we kind of trusted one another's unique um, faith and ver- who, uh, identity and what each person brought to the group. Um, I think at that time, we also want, I also felt like we also, I also wanted to take care of, of you, of you three in a way, and you were taking care of me too. So I, we, I, I didn't feel like, uh, you know, cause lose, losing faith or gaining faith or having a, having a change in your life is very personal and um, you need to take care of each other instead of it's fragile. You know, we're, we're yeah. at a fragile age. I felt fragile. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I, I, uh, it's just so interesting how, how spirituality and that expression about uh, faith and God and life was so central, but also, just almost like a cloud around us. It wasn't the central thing. It was just yep. kind of like a thing. So uh, do you have, does that anything come to mind for you on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't a unique situation. There's lots of bands that, like I said before, you know, you kind of start, you know, when you're a certain age and you have certain goals and aspirations and then that kind of changes as you, you know, expand your ideas and experiences. Um, and I think if you don't communicate it, then it kind of makes it more challenging. And I wish that's something that, you know, I would have been even more aware of, you know, and, and maybe it's hard, you know, you're living day to day or, you know, you're tired, you're driving, you're kind of focused on the goal of, of being a band and playing music and getting to the show and all that stuff, right? You're not necessarily, you know, and we were young too, you know, maybe we weren't, you know, as sensitive as, as we could have been. Um, but I do wish that's something that maybe we, we would have talked about more, right? Just learning from each other, seeing where each other are at. You know, I guess you just kind of assume, right? It's like, oh, we all kind of came from this background, so I assume we're all just feeling the same way as we're growing, but that's not usually how it goes. As people grow, they Mm -hmm. change all sorts of different ideas and ways of life and whatever, and it's not that it's a bad thing. Like, there's lots we can learn from each other, and so maybe that's what my my takeaway is, is I maybe I, I wish we would have tried to learn from each other more instead of, you know, maybe being annoyed at each other's weird little quirks and, and whatever. But again, it's, you know, we're, we're trying to focus on the band. And so lots of those things kind of get left behind. And, uh, I mean, I've, yeah, there's lots of, you know, a band like under oath, you know, on a much bigger scale, kind of same thing happened, right. They kind of all came from a certain scene and beliefs and whatever. And then, you know, they become this huge band and then they basically break up and drop off warp tour and it's like, what's going on? And it was just all this inner tur- turmoil and things. And so, anyways, that's kind of a, a story of its own. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just important to, to learn from each other and maybe check in more, which, 
you know, again, we were just naive 21 year old guys. Like Mm -hmm. it just wasn't something that was there. So anyways, that was a long, long winded kind of answer to that. But yeah, it was just, as I was thinking of that, it was like, I don't know if I've ever really asked Matt, um, you know, and, and I think of you because you continued on with music. And so that's why it's intriguing. Like, you know, was he maybe hoping the band had finished earlier so he could pursue this or just whatever kind of thoughts were, were happening around then? I, I, I mean, I don't perceive that's how you were thinking, but I was just curious. I, I think we all wanted more, but I wanted, I was at peace. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there was one thing stood out when you were talking uh, is that the day-to-day grind of, of the work we did you know, we had to be tough. Yeah. And we, so, so maybe we weren't as soft as, you know, I know that I was really a driven, I'm, I can be a pretty driven person and maybe not listening that well, but I also remember times where we like, we would say prayers for one another, stuff like that. That's very special to me. You know, looking mm-hmm. back on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we were you know, all figuring it out, right? Like it was, we were doing it together, but, you know, you still yeah. perceive things differently. And, you know, we each had, you know, maybe different things going on back home that were, you know, right. playing into it. And so there's so much of that. So anyways, I mean, you can beat that horse until its legs have taken off down the river, but we don't need to do that. So <laughs> Just ride the horse, ride the horse to the river. Ride that legless horse like it's never been ridden. Anyways... Well, we are the the point of this is to be talking about North Coast songs. So let's let's get to get to some of these. So I had asked you to um, to share five songs that you know are favorites or meaningful or whatever. And so um, yeah, I'm excited to to hear you know some thoughts behind these. I mean, you've written so many songs, like even before you know. So back when I was saying you know when I first met you, you know even then you had already written so many songs. And uh, I mean, I don't know how you keep track of it all. And so I'm sure it was hard even, you know, picking five because, I mean, there's so many good ones, too. Um, So let's start with uh, Worry. You may take a chance on the props or the scene On the good words you heard when you were young And I may take a swing to knock it out of the park
stay till I've spun around from the heartaches that shuffle and deal. If we lose control, I'll never be too far. I don't know where it's going, but I like where we are. I don't know. on 2009's Borrowed Chord, Borrowed Chords, Tired Eyes. So is this considered an EP or a full length? Because it's got nine songs on it. Yeah, I've never known. I, I always call it an EP, but I think, uh, I don't know. I, what is it? What is it? Well, because <laughs> <laughs> well, this album is longer than some of your other ones that are considered full really? lengths. And so I was just looking on Spotify and just seeing, and I think it was maybe listed there as as an EP or something. So, well, but, which is funny because there's been other albums we've talked about on this podcast where it's considered an EP, but you know it might have eight songs and the album is still forty five <laughs> minutes long. So, anyways, I, I didn't know if there was a technicality there, but that doesn't really matter. I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I think well. since it was the first thing, that's what we called it. Yeah, no, that's so. This was your kind of your first full collection of songs that you'd released as Northcote. You know, you'd released a number of albums and EPs, like you mentioned before. You know, as the Emerson Letters and different, um, you know, monikers or whatever. While Means was still a band, so how did Northcote kind of come about? What were some of your initial, you know, goals and hopes with this album, and uh, kind of your new projection forward as you know a solo artist? Uh, at at that time. I was living between uh, my sister's house and my wife's house, my girlfriend at the time. And I was still, uh, after the heavy music was done for me, at that time I was playing, I was still writing songs. Um, and this, the first recording was to try and like get a record deal, try and get back on tour, try and get back to where I was, be full-time working, you know? So it was the first step. It was kind of like, uh, starting over again in in earnest because you know I had played coffee houses and some gigs when I was in the band with you, but now it was time to for to try see if I could go full, do this full time. So this 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 oral chords tired eyes is kind of like a first try tryout to see what that would be like. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean that that was a big shift, you know, like you said from going what you were doing what you were doing in means to, you know, not only just to the sound of the music you were creating but also to, you know, kind of almost a new scene and you know what touring was going to look like, like so many different things. Do you remember kind of how those shifts felt? Like was it jarring? Was it exciting? How did you kind of navigate just, you know, the familiarities but also just the things that felt so maybe distant or new or yeah, anything like that. Well, I would, I would go out and play shows either riding along with the headline band, or else in a car that I borrowed, you know, from a family member. So it wasn't like van and trailer; it was just car. Yeah. Uh, so, and then so arriving, you know, arrive when when you're going to play solo, you arrive to the bar or the venue, you look at the stage. And you look at the microphone stand and that's it. That's all there's going to be the whole, for the whole thing. There's going to, you know, there's no amps, there's no lights, there's no nothing. You look over, there it is. You, you put, put down your guitar case right where you're going to stand and then you start playing. So um, it was a test of courage for me in a way, which, you know, which I've been playing. I've been playing in front of people already though, but it was a different kind of challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm curious as to how that shift fell. Like, felt like you know without you know having the band there you know it's a different kind of energy different kind of crowd you know you're kind of starting fresh i mean i know people were coming to see you because um you know they knew of you for means you know in some mm-hmm. some aspects and but then you started you know having new people come and and uh you know what was it exciting was it frightening do you kind of remember you know the feeling of of just getting into that kind of whole world and uh, it was, we, pl- I played late at night. Like I played at bars late. That was different. Yeah. Um, you know, there was more of a bar, bar culture, you know, there's more, there's more staying out late. There's more drinking culture. There's more women at indie rock shows or different people than maybe, you know, it was, that was part of my focus too at that time in my life. Yeah. Uh, and then what did I feel about the different crowds? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, but uh, uh, means had a good level of success and I always felt confident. And with Northcote, I didn't have a lot of confidence hmm. because I would look up to the people who were writing, sounding great and writing good songs. And I didn't know how, what that was going to be like for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about um, about the song you picked from this album. So the song is called Worry. You know, it definitely seems to be a song that has stuck with fans and listeners over the years. Uh, What do you remember about writing this song and why does it stand out to you? I remember being a little insecure about the song that it was too country. The the song is just a simple repeating chord um, rhythm that's that's kind of basic and, and I, and it's later on in the EP for that purpose, probably to be hidden a little bit because okay. I, I thought it's a little country, you know. Um, but over the years, it's been pretty durable. The song, or like the, uh, you know, some of the lyrics definitely sound like I was 22 or whatever, you know, like um, you can, it's, it, it, but the, 
a lot of the songs are like, I don't know what's, or a lot of that song is, I don't know what's going to happen here. You mm. can do this, you can do that. Um, I don't know where we're going. I like where we are. And at that time, my wife was going to move away and I didn't know where if I was going to go. Yeah. Um, and, and so in a way that song is a good durable message now, you know, like we sang it on tour just a couple of weeks before the pandemic mm. the, the last year. Yeah. And just singing it along and looking around. I mean, it's the, the sentiment of the song to me now is more like, I don't know if I'll be back here again or not. It, it's, it's kind of a savoring the moment. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, well, I think maybe that's why it resonates with with so many people, even still. And I was just YouTubing this song today, and and uh, just watching some of the covers. There's actually some pretty cool covers of the song, like uh, Dave, Dave and uh, Tim Haas, or House. Um, you know, did a, have done have covered this song. There was a, another couple. It was they looked like they were in a like an Irish bar or something, and it was actually like he was doing the the harmonica, and it was it was pretty cool. So it's yeah, clearly a song that's, you know, connected with people. And so did that, you know, when you were going into this album, you know, was that kind of a hope or goal at all with, I mean, I know you always want your songs to connect with people, but was it, you know, I want to try and have, you know, kind of like one anthem or something that, you know, is really going to stand out or is it just, here's the collection of songs and let's just kind of see what sticks with people. I think at that time it was, Here's the collection of songs. I'm going to sing so good. You're going to be impressed. You know, like it, I, I was more yeah. like in that youthful fighting mode. Like, yeah, um, you know, I'm going to sing as loud as I can at 11, 1130 at night in a packed bar. It doesn't matter. I can take you all. I can sing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so as you know, the idea of having. Um, uh, like a central song or whatever. I think that song energy, when you're ready, I'll be ready. That hook. I think that was kind of people like that one. So I put it first Okay. on the EP, but at the time I had no, I, you know, there was no such thing as a key track or the first track to Spotify or none of that. Right. Was, yeah. Yeah. It all came out at the same time. No. Yeah. So you were, I mean, you were okay with this one being kind of one of the ones that the people kind of grabbed onto. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Um one time in Germany the a guy came up to me and told me that his partner did not like the song. Uh and <laughs> because uh it's you know you know I I'm going to bail on that story. Okay, yeah. No, I can't no, remember, I can't really remember yeah. the relevance of it. Yeah, well, I I I I guess with with that question is you know lots of times I've heard of you know, bands where their biggest song, you know, I'm not saying this is say this is it, but you know, where they either just like wrote it last minute, they didn't really think much of it, they maybe were even considering not even putting it on the album, and then it's the one that connects with people the most. And so, you know, I think sometimes artists have in mind like, okay, I think this is going to be the one that's really going to take off and you know make people feel something special. And other times it's like, oh, this is just another song, and see what happens. Yeah, you're on to something with that because we I made a music video eventually for the first track from the record. Yeah. And then it was about three years after this first EP came out that Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music covered it and then Dave Hawes and then um, then people started singing it. So it was three or four years later, you know, that people started covering that. 
so you're right. It was a surprise. Yeah. Well, that's a, a cool side note. Like, how, how does that feel having, you know, someone like Chuck Reagan from such an influential band like Hot Water Music that, um, you know, I wouldn't, like, I don't remember listening to them a ton on tour, but they were definitely around. And, you know, I know certain bands we'd play with, you know, would listen to them or we'd have them on the van or whatever. But what's that like having, you know, like one of your songs sung by kind of one of your, um, like, not, not peers, but, you know, like a step up kind of thing? Uh, that was just, I was just very touched by it. Like I was like touched, like in the heart. Like I remember when I heard about it, Yeah, you know, and, and I think I felt the confidence and a sense of I'm okay. You know, my, you know, my song, I'm it's, you know, I was like, I'm okay as a songwriter. I'm okay as a singer, you know, like a, a type of validation, like, uh, because sometimes I can feel insecure and like, I'm doing the wrong thing or I'm not good enough or, you know, whatever, but there are moments where it's like, it's okay. It's all, you know, yeah, it's, it's all good. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's what's, you know, one cool aspect of the type of music you play is it is more adaptable to, you know, somebody covering it. And, you know, I, I know like some kind of, well, there, there are punk songs I get covered lots, but you know, for a band like, like means we, you know, it's not really a style that somebody else is going to cover you know, but then when you do something a bit more stripped down, that's, you know, maybe more accessible. And so that's, yeah, I just, I mean, I mean, remember feeling just really proud of that on your behalf as well. Just seeing like, man, that's so cool. Like hot water music rules. Like they know who my friend is and they want to cover his song. So that's, that was a, yeah, a good memory from, from a fan as well perspective. Uh, thanks um, for telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, to move on to, so I know you didn't pick any songs off of gather no dust, uh, but I wanted to even just kind of briefly touch on it. Um, so what were your thoughts going into this album? You know, you had toured quite a bit between, you know, the first album and this one, you were starting to kind of get a name for yourself. Um, you were feeling a bit more, you know, solidified as a new artist, um, you know, and maybe a bit further from, you know, just being the guy from means or whatever. Do you remember kind of, you know, the feeling with this release and what you were hoping for with this one? When I think back on that record, I don't think I was very happy um, at that time, like for around that time, uh, you know, um, we had, we had just moved to Victoria and I think that uh, my wife and I were just kind of holding on for dear life. Like I was, I, you know, I wanted to be a singer, but I was a janitor and a dishwasher and, and she was in law school. And we're, I was trying to, we were trying to support one another, but we were just kind of holding on. And then I was trying to sing. Uh, but I don't, uh, it's hard for me to connect with that record a little bit. Uh, I think at the time I, it feels, I feel a little bit foggy when I think about that record. Like sometimes I can't remember what songs are on it. Okay. And, you know, um, I remember recording it. Um, but at the time, Free Tonight was that was kind of the single for that one. We made yeah. a music video for that, and we did. We did. I did do some touring with some indie bands in Canada: The Wooden Sky, Yukon Blonde, and so there was kind of indie rock. I think I was trying to open for indie rock bands at that time. Yeah, yeah. And were you like feeling, you know, maybe more successful at this time, like getting more opportunities? Or was it? Did you still kind of feel, you know, like still a new artist, even though you know you had gotten out there quite a bit by this point 
I think I felt successful because I was touring and playing. Yeah. You know, um, and that's what I love to do, you know, it, but I, but I don't, I wasn't full time. I remember that I wasn't, and that was bothering me. You know, I wasn't, okay. I wasn't full time. I, I was washing dishes and I was singing. I had a really nice boss at that restaurant. That's my favorite boss I ever had. And I would sing at the restaurant and work at it. And then I made little flyers. You know, I drew a picture of my face on the flyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to fit in a little bit. Like I would try, I'd play Tom Petty and like, I would do kind of bad alternative rock covers, but then I would learn some, other, I was, you know, those were, it's all a learning curve. It's all a learning yeah. experience. But at that time I was really at the basic because, you know, I was just listening to, uh, in earnest Springsteen and Dylan and, uh, you know, Otis Redding for like the first time kind of in earnest, like, like really, you know? Yeah. Cause, cause when I grew up, it was country AM radio and gospel. And then I was like, yeah, you know, I, I want to do something loud. And I did that. So I, this was my, this was like the garden the first time, you know? So it's kind of a scattered record for me. Yeah. Well, even just to touch on that, um, it's not, a, not a note I had here, but something I have thought about, you know, as you were, you know, doing more covers or, you know, I would see these names of artists and like, in my mind, it's like, I, I would never go listen to an artist like Bruce Springsteen or like, I'm just not drawn towards that. So how, you know, so kind of coming from, you know, like the like the radio and gospel, but then like really the punk and hardcore world. But now you're kind of exploring, you know, this whole other world. Like, had you ever really listened to those artists or what drew you to, you know, to them and being influenced by them? Like, that's really interesting to me because I'm just not the type of person to really do that. You know, I still listen to the same stuff I've kind of always listened to. It still, you know, excites me as much as, as it did 20 years ago. And so I'm just always intrigued by people that, you know, and that's what's cool about music, right? There's so much else out there, you know. So anyways, long, yeah. long question. But, um, yeah, how did you find yourself kind of getting attracted to different types of music and exploring that? I think I, I must have wanted to be better at songwriting or what I thought was better. You know, I must have wanted to, like, study it, you know. I, um so I kind of look around and, and then I probably also was looking at what was trendy, you know, well, if Yukon blonde, like Springs, Bruce Springsteen, I'll probably, I'll check that out too. Or, you know, um, and then, uh, and then over the years, I've kind of, some, some of them have stuck with me as really special. Like mm. uh, Gillian Welch is, a, is like a country folk singer. That's really special to me. Um, but yeah, I think it was a kind of a, I was a student eager to learn, but also I was just looking for a trend to grab onto, mm. to, you know, like, cause I was, I was, since I wasn't touring, I was like, well, I got to play somewhere. So I play at the Irish bar at the, at this kind of fancier hip kind of restaurant. And then at a sports bar and Jock jams. Kind of, yeah. A little bit. So I could play um, free falling by Tom Petty for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Or, I was just, it. I was like I went to school almost, but I was putting myself through school doing these things, and it was, yeah. it was a little bit of money and a little bit of beer each time, and I just I did that a lot, and it I think it paid off on the next record, 
now, yeah. now that we're talking about it now. Do you yeah. think that was some, like, did you ever think that, you know, like when you're playing, you know, heavy music, whatever, like that's typically what you're kind of influenced by, but now you're doing, you know, creating something totally different. So you kind of have to have different influences as well, which is another thing that, you know, is just kind of out there, right? It's like, oh, well, I can't, you know, be inspired to write indie songs by listening to, you know, Hatebreed. And so right now it's like, okay, now I almost need to immerse myself in this whole other world so that I can create something different and kind of branch out. And um, like, did, did that kind of hit you at all when you started North Coast? Like, okay, I need to find some different influences. and Or was it just kind of natural, like you said, like just kind of looking around, trying to find something to grab onto, you know, not as kind of conscious of a decision? I think that's what I was doing in my life. I was leaving home. I was leaving the band. I was going with my wife. I was going for new influences in all areas of my life. Yeah. Some, some good and some bad, you know? Um, and, you know, I was, that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, mm. yeah, there's, I mean, so going back to this album, like it's got some big songs on it. Like you said, Free Tonight, you know, Take the Ride, um, Battle. I, I love that song. <clears throat> Thanks. And so I, I, yeah, I think there was definitely songs that, you know, connected with people on this album. So that's interesting that, it, you know, maybe didn't stick with you as much, but, you know, there's lots, there's lots more from your perspective on it than, you know, just as a listener, right? Because we can just kind of come and take whatever we want versus being a part of the, the creative process. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. I did, I did notice like when I do the online shows in the pandemic, that album isn't totally forgotten. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the next one, which was self-titled released in 2013. Again, no, no songs from this release, but I, I still kind of wanted to touch on these albums um, because they're, they're special to me and lots of other people that, that are going to be listening. So I just, you know, even if it's just some kind of overall thoughts or, you know, kind of standout tours or connections made from this album cycle, anything that kind of stands out would be cool. Well, this, this record is kind of like, uh, I started to feel more confident in who I was with North Coat. You know, it's mm. self-titled uh, and I started playing a lot more and I kind of started feeling my backbone grow stronger and just the, just the, I was getting more reps as a singer performer and the, the, the recording of it was made with Colin Stewart in Vancouver at, yeah. when the high, when the high was in Vancouver and Colin was uh, so supportive and, and so skilled at helping me make the record um, in a really creative way. And the, so uh it kind of, that was, you know, being it self-titled is cool because it was kind of like uh, my first grown-up record. If that's 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 um, pejorative, but it kind of felt like that. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because, I mean, I've always, always loved your album titles, whether it was with Means or with Northcote um, or other projects. Like you just, you know, same with your lyrics. You just have a, a unique style to the way you put words together and, and so, yeah, I was curious as if to, if it was hard to have a self-titled album, you know, in one way it's representing you in, you know, a special and unique way, but in another way, you know, I always, anytime I, 
I have a band that I love and it's a self-title. It's like, oh, but you know, they could have had a cool name for this album instead of self-titled, right? Because there's how many self-titled albums out there. But at the same time, lots of those artists will say like, this is kind of who we are, you know, as a band. You know, even uh, MXPX, their last one is self-titled, you know, after, you know, 30 years of being a band. It's like, now this is who we are. This is how we want to represent ourselves. Mm. So in that way, it's, 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 you know, unique to itself. And so I didn't know if that was, you know, like an inner battle going back and forth or if it was just like, you know, this is what it needs to be and I'm good with that. Yeah, I think you got it right on. I couldn't, I wasn't inspired by, I remember vaguely not being very inspired by any titles and going with more of a identity statement Yeah, for my art. Yeah. Any any uh, like standout tours or connections kind of on this album cycle? Well, that one is like the first time internationally, you know, mm. Europe, Europe and US and um let me think about the Canadian ones at that time. I mean, we played a good show in Victoria, you know, so I didn't I wasn't playing in the kitchen anymore. Or I wasn't playing in the <laughs> at the tourist bar anymore or we yeah. headlining a show, a ticketed show. Uh, yeah, but the, the the overseas stuff was uh, really fun and kind of a spe- kind of special. Yeah, well, even yeah, with that, I mean, that's not something we ever got to do playing heavier music. And uh, yeah, I mean, so I remember being super excited when you you know announced those first tours and just for you to have those opportunities and you know, maybe even feeling a little jealous that I wasn't along for the ride, but what, uh, you know, any kind of quick thoughts on, you know, the difference of, you know, grinding in the States for years versus going overseas, you know, now as a solo artist and, um, yeah, what kind of thoughts or feelings were, were you going through then? Um, well, uh, I think I was mostly doing support tours. So, so, uh, there's a bit less, a bit, a bit less stakes because, um, like, I think in Canada I was doing my our own shows. Yeah, you know, like we're going to headline in Saskatoon and Moncton and Toronto, and but then in America I would just do support act and try and gain some fans and some experience. Same thing overseas, kind of at the start, it's just opening the show, play well, and and then enjoy the trip. Yeah, you know, and work hard and play well. So. That was the difference at the start was we're kind of attempting to headline at home where in other places we were only supporting, you know? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, even, you know, I remember like the first time, you know, means played in the States, it's like, okay, we've kind of done lots of Canada. Let's try something new. And it's just, it, it's similar, but there's so many different aspects to it. And, you know, I've heard that's the same about, you know, going to Europe or to Asia, like different countries where it's like, okay, I'm still playing the same song, still essentially doing the same thing, but there's all these different, you know, elements around it, whether it's cultural or time zones or food, like all this stuff that you kind of have to readapt to. Like, what was that like after, you know, playing music for so long, having to kind of almost restart and in a way of just adapting to different environments? Mm. Or was it more uh, just like, hey, I'm here, cool, let's do it, I'm up for whatever? Yeah, I think I was up for whatever. I mean, I was pretty spoiled overseas to go play with Dave and Chuck and and uh, who else did I play with? 
I can't remember, but there was, there was always, you know, short drives with, with catering and, um, you know, a place to sleep, you know, and then, but you're right in, in America, it was longer drives with no catering and nowhere to sleep. No ham sandwiches so, for my grandma. Hey, <laughs> yeah. And she caught, she liked to refer to me as math. Uh, she Instead still does. She turns oh. 105 this August. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> she probably still thinks you're mad wow. after all this time. Wow. Bless her heart, Grandma. Anyways. <laughs> Bless you, Grandma. Yeah. So, yeah, next next one is uh, Burn Right Past the Mall. Eric the Apple nearly dropped out for good. Pretty soon he ran all around the West Coast. And he always played for keeps. She took no prisoners Never settled down Till she had to go to sleep May you be forever foolish May you be forever a fool And run ahead Nothing really gets you down You love those old cars beating around You work your faith in your small town Well, may you be forever foolish May you be forever a fool And run ahead
this was from 2013. This was a digital and a seven inch. Um, yeah, so this was a, a unique maybe pick. Like usually, usually they're on like full lengths or something. But that's that's cool that you know this song stands out to you kind of as a, as a standalone song. Um, yeah, I would love to hear kind of why this song is special to you. You know, kind of what does it mean? Anything you want to share about it? Yeah. When we toured last year, we would open the shows with this song, hmm. so it was kind of fresh in my mind. Yeah, um, I remember when tracking this song. Uh, the uh, Colin Colin Stewart was uh, producing, engineering, and he left, and I was practicing it in the live room, and uh, I was practicing it, and he would come back. He would come back and look at me, and say, "Keep going, keep going. I like hmm. it." You know, keep trying. He might have been eating. It might have been a lunch break or something, you know, and he would and then I would play for a bit more and I look back and there would be no one there. So I would play for a bit more and it wasn't there. And then he would come back and say, you know, keep going. And it was a long time. It was like mm. two, two, three hours or something. And I kept arranging the song, changing the keys. And eventually he started recording them. And then we just took one of the takes. So it's oh, wow. it's one of the only songs in the catalog that's pretty live off the floor yeah, and so wow. then then to overdubs it's funny because the drummer uh merrick tyler is the drummer on this song he comes in and he's trying to there's these big shots at the end with horns and yeah. a guitar solo and and merrick is trying to hit the changes with no metronome right so oh, yeah it's just the song is playing in his in his uh headphones and he's like ding 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 but he's there's no metronome so it's it's and uh i remember merrick really liking this song which makes me like it too yeah and and that memory you know the the, the lyrics is it's a, a bit about some of the people in the family my our family tree who have and just some courageous aspects about them hmm. you know and so I think you know, I think I'm just I've just would like to honor in the song the you know specifically, specifically my dad, my brother and my grandmother aunt. There's mm. some of the characters I reference in the song. Yeah. And just I noticed some of the courage they had and things they did. And so in the song I'm kind of aspiring to have um that authentic courage as well. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, this song has Maybe one of my favorite melodies from all of your songs, which is that "May you be forever foolish." When you do that, "May you be forever a fool," like that part, just I'm like, man, that is just so good. Like it's so catchy in a way, but it's kind of, you know, got this kind of darker kind of vibe to it a bit, like kind of a melancholy sort of sound to it. So yeah, that's yeah, awesome song, and I I love. As I was going through these songs the last few weeks, like I just kept going back to that song and listening to it. And yeah, great song. Good job on that one. Thanks, Aaron. The rest are terrible. This one's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do remember too with this song, uh, uh, Stu Ross, who we had toured with from Misery Signals and Comeback Kid. Yeah, one he screamed time. on this song, right? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> one time at a party or wedding or at a at a in a field or somewhere i can't remember but he said that this he's he said hey matt that song uh uh i can't remember what lyric but that he's like that's my jam so huh. 
it's a encouragement from friends. I thought you would. That's a memory I have related to the song too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, especially when you have somebody else like that, you know, that's a peer, somebody you look up to, it's like, man, that's, that's a good song. That's got to be a good feeling too. Um, yeah. So we're moving on to, uh, the last two songs here. No, sorry. Not the last two. Number three and four. So these are on hope is made of steel, which came out in 2015 um, this is probably one of my favorite albums of yours. I think I've, we talked about this the last time we were in person. Um, maybe just because it's kind of the most upbeat album, but, um, I just think the songs are, they're just so good. So catchy, you know, it still kind of bums me out and frustrates me that this album never blew up more. Like, I don't know, every time I put it on, it's like, this could be on the radio. Like this is so accessible, but not in like an annoying way that lots of, music tries to be accessible um yeah so what were like i know you kind of going to this album you know maybe trying something different you know it was more full band um you know kind of a bigger name producer what were your hopes with this album you know did you feel disappointed about it i don't want to project like my disappointment on you you know i just uh, you know the whole time you've been playing music I'm just always you know kind of gunning for you like man like okay matt's on this tour like i hope he just you know becomes this huge artist and gets his name out there and and you know with this one especially i was like okay like this one's gotta do it like there's so many songs here that could you know be on the radio um yeah what what are your thoughts on this album and going into it and coming out of it and all that i think that was part of my thinking was dave gen produced this in in vancouver and he had some producing success so i did have uh ideas that we're going to have a couple of radio songs from this record and see where it goes and you know we're going to have the big guitars and big drums and you know because the last the self-titled record is there's a band on it but it's still pretty modest yeah and so this this record has it there's some weird bumps along the way but it's like you said it's fairly accessible and straight ahead uh I looked I think there's I think there's a couple really cool songs on this one. What was the question? I'd, well, it's just I, I, yeah, kind of how you were feeling going into it, or um, you know, as an artist, you're always right, you're always hoping for the best from your newest piece of music. You know, for the most part, right, you're putting your best foot forward, and you know, you have different hopes and goals with it. And um, again, I don't want to like, I'm not trying to project like you know things didn't happen how you wanted they just didn't happen maybe how i wanted but <laughs> i'm just an out, i'm just an outsider right like i just i don't know i guess as an outsider it just kind of seemed like okay like when's when am i going to hear this song on the radio or when am i going to see matt on tour with you know such and such artist and it just kind of never really seemed to happen so maybe that wasn't even the goal to happen you know again i don't want to project my thoughts on it but um it just seemed like it kind of had this projection going forward that maybe didn't really reach where it could have gone yeah well that's cool yeah and th- thanks for telling me that like that's I, that's cool I, that's cool for me to hear i mean i think the some of the songs broke through in a way to some college radio and i still kept playing we played a lot on this record too yeah and then started that's when it started headlining in canada and overseas and um i, th- I think that the I think fondly on the record because I had 
a good personal connection with the producer, Dave Ginn. Yeah. And I, there's just a couple songs that will probably stay with me as long as I do this that are on the record. Yeah. And so I'm really, I'm thankful for that, you know, then it's, yeah, I'm, it's all good. Yeah. That's, you know, after this one or when you started writing for, um, well, I guess, yeah, there was quite a break in between this one and your newest one. You know, did you have the thoughts of like, okay, I, I've kind of done that. I'm not going to try to do that again. Um, or was it just the the songs in the new album were just what you were feeling at that time? You know, was it a specific thought or was it more kind of organic in that way? Are you asking about the production, Aaron? Sorry. Well, yeah, like the, the production or like the full band or, you know, like we'll get to, we'll get to your newest album. I mean, it's definitely more stripped down again than Hope is Made of Steel. So I, I didn't know if that was just one of those thoughts of like, okay, we tried that, you know, it is what it is, moving on kind of thing. Or was it just, well, this, these uh, these new songs are just what feels natural, so that's what I'm going to focus on. Oh, I see. I, no, I think it was intentional to rock a bit more. I wanted to rock a bit more. I, there was like two or three years where I played, I, I switched to electric. Yeah. You know, we did shows with the Gaslight Anthem and Frank Turner, and we're yep. playing like bigger places like that. And we're playing louder. And so, you know, like... Uh, that's what that's what I wanted to do. That's what we're kind of exploring with. Yeah, North Coast was rocking. And did that like you know did that fulfill that desire to do that? You know, for those two years that, or whatever that you were playing those songs and touring on that and. Yeah, I think so, and and it gives, uh, it gives some depth to the catalog too. You know, like now, just. What a dynamic, there's a lot of dynamic in what I've made with my collaborators and friends. Yeah. You know, like yeah, now, sure. now with the North Coach show could be, it could be a little bit of everything, you know, yeah. which I think might confuse people or, or, but that's just the way it is with me. I, I just have a dynamic interest in how I want to do it. Yeah. Well, and it, and it makes sense for you because you come from a dynamic background, right? Like radio music to punk music to hardcore music to indie to acoustic to full band, right? Like, so totally. it makes sense, right? Because there's lots of artists that are just like, you know, I'm a rapper. Well, now I'm going to write a punk album. And it just, it seems a little disjointed sometimes, which, I mean, whatever musicians can create whatever they want, but it does make sense for someone like you, like, to have that, right? It, it didn't seem out of place, you know. The songs were great. You sounded, you know, comfortable in, in what you were doing. Yeah, that's that. I find that really helpful. Thanks. Like, you know, it's not like my my mother didn't say that Simon and Garfunkel is the best thing in the whole world. You know, there was <laughs> yeah. nothing like that. There was, I, you know, we, had, you know, my my mother was into music when I was younger, but we, but there was no school. I did the schooling on my own, so it's, and I'm the oldest sibling, and it's all kind of scattered. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm still like that now. Like I'll listen to death metal and country and hip hop and classical and you know uh, meditation music. You know. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to be a clear communicator, though. Aaron, I will say, <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying to be as clear as I can. Yeah, which sometimes you need to be, sometimes you don't. So I guess there's you know yes. finding that balance. But well, let's talk about uh, the songs that you picked off this. So the first one is Leaving Wyoming.
Yeah, I know I come from somewhere I just can't find my way back And someone tough is packing up his truck And making my brothers laugh I didn't want to choose between Staying with mom or dad So I'm leaving wild If I showed you some old pictures Here's me at the high school dance You know I never tried cigarettes Now it's hard to tell the difference Between the black sheep and the golden child So I'm leaving wide open kind of gather this song is like maybe about your mom or your grandma or something because i know they had connections there so uh yeah kind of why is this song special to you uh i re- well I, I remember driving home from like a christmas where, where 
Brittany and I were driving to Ottawa where we were living and we were kind of sharing about our families, you know, hmm. this is, you know, this is some things about my mom and my dad. She said, there's some things about my family and the, knowing the, knowing the context, we're just sharing more of our context and you know, where we come from, who we are together to get to, to get to know one another. And that, and I, I passed the phone to her and she started just jotting down some lyrics hmm. and that was like the start of the song, oh, you know, cool. and that's the only time that's really happened where, where I've had an idea, you know, where that's, that Brittany has written down some lyrics for me and I'm glad, I'm glad that worked out like that. Uh, I do. There are other two memory, uh, memories I have in my notes here is that uh, Dave Gann, the producer had, uh, just lost a family member before we were making the hmm. record and we've got to that part you know i, I go out to the garden uh out to the garden uh i'm sorry Aaron, i can't get the song away no, it's okay. but that's, that's when that's what that's when you laid your head down and, yeah and we we looked at one another and had a um the, kind of, the emotion came up a little bit and and so that's it was special in the studio too. And then mm. the crowd, the, the audience singing along with that song was pretty special to me. Yeah. Cause like, um, you know, have I told you I got married? It's a strange thing to yell at the singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is, this is like, um, it's another song about leaving. Like I was talking about before, um, you know, like my 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 mother left home in Wyoming to move to Saskatchewan. Yeah, and that must have taken a lot of courage at the time. And and so I'm looking for any of these connections that I have to help me with what I you know with what I'm doing in my life. Yeah, for sure. And and you know that that feeling of uh, you know when you when when I when I leave home. Uh, or like, or when someone passes away, or when that part, like you can't you, the you're not you're you're far away. You're not you're not going to know what's going on. Yeah, you know, you know, like when I pass away, I'm not going to know who uh, wins the World Series. That was the thing. That Larry, it'll it'll be the Blackhawks. It always is. <laughs> I'm rambling a bit. No, I love it. Well, you know what? This it just it reminds me and affirms that like you are meant to keep playing music. You know, I feel like when I listen to your songs and albums and lyrics, you know, it's like, okay, this stuff wouldn't have really fit with a hardcore band, right? Like it's just different styles, different ways of processing thoughts and and uh you've just had so much cool stuff to say over the years and you know, stories to share and and uh yeah, it's just it's a good outlet right because there's lots of this stuff that just wouldn't come out the same way with a different kind of music and so i think that's cool that you've been able to you know process these things you know maybe dig a bit deeper into just different parts of your life to to draw inspiration from so that's cool and i, I love the the kind of melancholy sound to the song um, you know it's got great melodies and you know, it's it's not one of the upbeat songs on this album, but it really kind of helps to break up the album and, you know, kind of maybe pull back 
you know, to kind of your earlier albums and just kind of the sound that people kind of expected from you by then. So, yeah, great, great addition to the album. The next, yeah. Next song is uh, also off of Hope is Made of Steel, and it's the song Bracelet. Yeah, so tell us about this song. Why is it a favorite? Um, I was watching a, a live video of you guys um, playing the song, or uh, I don't think it was a music video, but yeah, I think it was just a, a live song. And yeah, again, it's um, maybe what, not as upbeat as a lot of the other album, but again, brings you know more of that dynamic and kind of personality. I did a lot to the of album, on my so, own. Yeah, tell me about why this song is really special for, you. for me because. There I am out I there. I think the production on the song is going on stage. You no, know, it's just a kick drum. I'm doing a harmonica. Moves, I'm doing all this. There's I'm, a slide I'm guitar. Cursing, I'm cursing. Like, it's kind of that writing Petty influence coming lyrics. back. And, um, <laughs> a couple things that I think about from the song are I wrote it on tour in Atlanta, in a, or at least I wrote the start of it in a very small backstage area. Mm, cool. And, and so I, I think about that sometimes. And then the, the second verse were 
I, I hit my head on the sink and start talking to the ceiling and the white walls or whatever. It's kind of nonsensical. But that's when I, I was hanging out with um, Andy and Daryl and my friend John. And I just I got really stoned and fell over and hit my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I so wish it's I could have seen that. <laughs> just an embarrassing, just kind of a, something that happened that made it into the song. Probably Daryl, he probably uh, pushed you, I bet. <laughs> You know, the the bracelet is kind of a placeholder for a, a wedding ring, I think, or a promise ring or whatever. But yeah. I also like the bracelet idea, like I'm wearing one right now. The, I like that the, because the, uh, the song always waiting for the right moment, like the choices we make in our life, like where we're going to live, what we're going to do, what we're going to work on, um, you know, who are our friends, our partners and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, the bracelet I was just thinking about it today like uh, like a rubber band it kind of it bends a little bit but doesn't break yeah and you, it kind of bends and it, it bends and then comes back in you know so um yeah that's a cool, I, I cool metaphor for just yeah whether it's learning growing you know there's lots of different back and forths on that yeah it's just I've thought about that a lot lately too you know like as um, um 36 and where I am in my life, I want to keep growing and changing and see what's out there. So I, I, I can, I can go out and make new friends and then, and then, or I can I do something at work or do some activism or, or have, you know, whatever or people. And then I could kind of go out and then come back in, go out and come back in, mm. you know, like a, uh, that's just what I thought about yeah. it today. Well, I just I can't stop thinking of uh, Daryl pushing you into a sink now. <laughs> oh man, Daryl, love you, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, so moving on to the last song, "Streets of Gold." Planes are flying overhead. Cars parked in a row Parents in the churchyard Are watching over their own I've seen thunder in the alley And the boys drinking bar to bar I've seen angels on a roulette Spin behind the statues of war Together by needle and by 
trucks come for our memories Goodbye notes from trust fund kids All the missing faces Looking down again All the missing faces Are looking down again On the streets of Last album, Let Me Roar 2020. You know, there's five years in between this. I'm sure uh, I wasn't the only one hassling you about, you know, what was going on during this time. But uh, yeah, it's you don't necessarily have to get into kind of everything going on in between that time. But um, yeah, what kind of what what was happening in life? What was inspiring these songs? Um, you know, how does it feel as a musician and a creative like yourself, you know, to kind of go for so long without, you know, putting something out there or does that not, does that not bother you or kind of affect your songwriting at all? Um, I was, I was frustrated by a period without putting out music or touring. Hmm. I was kind of frustrated then. Um, uh, but I got, I got to learn and, other different ways. I mean, I got, I think I'm making some healthier choices now. Like I got some, uh, some new jean know, jackets some... and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got some, just some better habits or just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of a quiet private person, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be less of a avo- avoiding things, hmm. you know, you know, cause with, like with doing the dishes and, <laughs> no just just sometimes just uh feeling uh, sad or upset i just kind of avoid you know booze is great for that or just being alone is great for that i'm yeah. trying to not trying not to avoid stuff and trying to be there you know even if i am kind of in even if i'm not as put together as i had hoped just to to be there and that's let me roar is about that hmm. and, and streets of gold is um influenced by the work I'm doing in Victoria, you know, like with, uh, I've done a lot of different jobs over the years, but the work I do now is pretty, is special to me. We, we have, uh, uh, uh housing, housing projects and shelters and stuff yeah. where I work at where you don't, you don't have to be, they're low barrier. I mean, so you don't have to be sober. You don't have to even have ID, you know, mm. you just, you can people can come and and get a little break yeah and so or you know so the streets of gold um it's kind of a poem 
there's a that's the song that was written with before I wrote the song. Like the words came before the song. Okay. And and I think I was reflecting on some of the experience I've had uh, working with it in the housing and opioid crisis and just some of the things I saw there, you know, like the streets of gold. Um, uh, sorry, Aaron, I'm not being very clear. I'm getting no, it's a little all tired. Good. Yeah. I'm getting a little tired from saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here soon. So, okay. I, just in the last year or two in the pandemic, I just might, I've been challenged to change my point of view, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we kind of slowed down, think about what things I would like, want to happen or what, what things I, are my values. And in Streets of Gold, it's like, I think with, with people who are suffering or uh, in addiction, yeah, I think that the society, we will say, um, you know, why can't people get, get this why can't people get it together? And, yeah. you know, they're, they're so they're angry, you know, but if you flip the camera from and look from the other perspective, if someone was homeless and said to everybody else, um, why can't you get it together? Look at all these homeless, look at all the hope, look at all the suffering. Yeah. You know, and like, why, and why, um, why are you so angry? Mm. You know, so you, yeah. you can, you can play with the perspectives, um, and, um, that's kind of deepening some of my work I'm doing yeah. here. No, well, that's awesome. That's that's great insights into that, and just hearing the different things that are inspiring you to write now is is really cool. Um, yeah, the last thing that that we'll touch on is just you know I know you haven't been able to tour on this album because of COVID, uh, but you've been very active you know online with live streams, and so I was just curious as to you know how you've been finding that connection. You know, has it been fulfilling? Um, kind of how have you found the interactions, you know, cause you're not in front of people anymore, right? You don't really have that to feed off of, right? You're just kind of doing your thing, looking at the camera and, but it's still been a great way to connect with people. Yeah. That's been really helpful for me just to stay in the practice of songwriting and help with my mental health and the, in the virus. Cause you know, it's been a year, I've been a couple of years now or however long the pandemic's been going, but there, and there, there were times that were, uh, I was more afraid than others. I was more, more uh, inside and stuck at home than others. Yeah. And so people, just the fact that people are there on the other end to hear me sing really helped. Also, I'm still here making things like yeah. I'm still writing in my, I'm still writing in my, writing my songs. I still put out a record and so I wanted to let the fan, like let the followers know that too. Like I'm still here playing, and you know I've made made up songs in the in the pandemic too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean people are at home more. They're they're looking for that connection too. So that's that's I mean a great thing that you know wasn't available ten years ago or whatever, right? So it's nice that you know you can connect with people for free and you don't have to tour and still let people know that that you're alive and you still have nice jean jackets so that's uh, always a bonus <laughs> i don't i don't know why i'm hung up on the jean jackets you look great in them <laughs> I, I dig it i dig it Everybody. yeah awesome well it's it's bedtime for both of us and uh yeah dude this has been awesome i appreciate your insight and just yeah your creativity and your ability to keep moving forward when you know 
there's been lots of ups and downs in life and yeah i as as a fan of your music it's it's cool to still see you creating and and making a name for yourself so keep it up and uh yeah we'll see you at the next uh ball game i guess the next time the blackhawks are playing the stadium we'll go and catch a couple innings sounds good love you buddy all right you too see you dude